0: Are you aware of the various opportunities available for your business in securing capital? Welcome to Small Business Capital America with Michael Schumacher. Michael and his guests, which include experts, suppliers, and thought leaders, will be discussing these options and solutions to help raise your bottom line. Now, here's your host, Michael Schumacher.
1: Hello, and welcome back to this week's edition of Small Business Capital America on the Voice America Network. I'm your host, Mike Schumacher, and on this show we discuss and analyze capital issues for the businesses of Main Street, exploring the question of capital, rent it or print it. When I'm referring to the businesses of Main Street, I'm really speaking to those businesses in the U.S. with revenues between $10,000 and $10 million per month. That's the businesses of Main Street we target for this show. When I refer to the idea of renting, cap, renting, I refer to capital, which is borrowed. We're talking about loaned capital. And when I refer to printed capital or capital you print, I'm referring to the capital that you make through profits, your own printing press in the back room for money, if you would. That's happening through increasing your revenue, reducing your expenses, or some combination thereof. I like to always point out that as a fellow entrepreneur, I really understand that capital issues are dynamic, and they're likely the solution is some blend of rented and printed capital. There's no perfect world where you're going to print all your own capital. It's likely to be a blend. And because it's dynamic, that blend is going to change over time. On this week's episode, we're going to touch base on accounts receivable, or AR, and how to turn that into working capital for your business going to begin the show here in our first segment with a continuing discussion of the market. I like to use uh, academic research or as unbiased a research as I can find because I think that we all as entrepreneurs want to get to the truth and the truth about anything is reliable and accurate data and when I say reliable I mean repeatable if I ask the same question today and I ask it tomorrow I'm going to get the same answer. If I ask it of a couple of different people, I'm going to get the same answer. That's reliable, and that's halfway to truth. The other part of truth in data or information is that it's accurate. And by accurate, I mean that it is asking the question that we really want to get answered, or it arrives at the answers to the questions that we want to know about. For instance, if I really wanted to know what someone thought of my business, and I referred them to my website, That would not be accurate because what they're going to reflect back to me, they're going to tell me about my website. They're not going to tell me about my business. So we need to make sure that we're researching and we're grabbing data that is both reliable and accurate if we want to get to the truth. So we'll begin with that. Uh, Additionally, in our second segment, we're going to have an interview with Jordan McAvoy, who's a senior leader with Funbox. Funbox is a really innovative business lending organization in the accounts receivable world. They've got this unique, I'll call it efficient and effective capital solution, which is just transparently using your receivables and your accounting software to create capital in again a very efficient and effective manner. The second or the third segment of this show, we're going to be talking with Mark Kenny Mark's a a business partner that I work with a lot. He's got just deep experience in the industry around asset-based lending, and he's going to share his perspectives on accounts receivable based on his experience in the industry. Finally, we'll wrap up the last section of this show. We're going to talk about underwriting, how to survive the experience, a little more about truth there. We're going to speak about a review of some of the resources that are out there for you. We're going to talk about some key terms as available, and then we'll touch on next week's show. Having said that, um, I want to jump into my continuing discussion about the market. And again, I like to use this concept of truth or trying to find that unbiased information and research because I think as entrepreneurs, that's the information we all want when it comes to capital. The last couple of weeks, I've been spending time on a study out of Pepperdine University from 2015, and I'll I'll touch again on that from time to time, but I wanted to jump a little bit kind of backwards, but there's a really nice piece of research out of Harvard Business School dating back to 2014 by Karen Mills, and uh, the basis of the working paper was, or the title was, The State of Small Business Lending, Credit Access During the Recovery and How to Manage... And how technology may change the game. It uh, it's a large paper, and this paper, like the Pepperdine University study, I, I'm happy to redirect anybody to uh, to a link that will get them the the data themselves. But I try to just touch on some highlights as I'm going through and uh, and presenting the information. So again, this uh, the research was done in 2014. The paper was published in July of 2014, and one of the things that uh, that that I just want to touch on is the executive summary. The first thing that uh, the team found was that small businesses do indeed create two out of every three net new jobs in America. That's powerful, remains powerful, and it's so important about what you do as an entrepreneur. The second key point in their executive summary was most small businesses are Main Street businesses or sole proprietorships, so they're, they're kind of a little bit of a twist on what I would just define Main Street as, but they're really kind of talking about sole proprietorships here, and they're talking about of the 28.7 million small businesses, they're starting to dissect those within the research. They express in the research that small business firms were hit harder than large business firms, you already know that as an entrepreneur, but I just want to kind of give you that insurance, but that they weren't singling you out. The world wasn't aiming at you. It was all small businesses kind of felt the pain during the economic downturn. Financial crises tend to hit small businesses harder than large firms. So one of the things they do in the research, and, and I'll leave it to everybody to judge themselves, is they went back and said, okay, the experience of 2007 to 2012 when we had the economic downturn, economic crisis, really hit small businesses. Is that the case usually when there's a downturn? And what they found uh, basically was that, yes, that is the case. Small businesses tend to suffer and downturns more than large businesses. Um, small businesses are finally back to creating jobs at that same two out of three net new jobs. So they, they did identify that that is the case and, and, and that is good news for, for us as a country and good news for you as an entrepreneur because you know that other people are out there doing it. Their research suggests that banks continue to be an important part of small business financing but they'll get to, and they do touch on, and continue to research this idea that that's not the only solution, and it may not even be the primary solution for long. Bankers today, or at the time of the research, believed that they wanted to learn, lend to small businesses. This is what they tell us, but they were finding trouble, or having trouble finding small businesses, and continue to have trouble finding small businesses that can meet their credit profile. In other words, credit worthy according to the rules under which they have to work. And a lot of that's regulatory pressure right now. The next takeaway was small businesses, you, small business uh, operators, claim that their loans are still difficult to get during the recovery. So you've got small business owners reassuring us and bankers reassuring us. This is a challenging space for small businesses. Uh, while uh, While lending continues to fall, uh, in small businesses and be challenged. Large businesses are doing fine, so they just continue to research and reassure us that that's the case, so we're not alone. Now, what do we do about it? Let, let's break down those 28 million or so small businesses in the United States. Of those, 5.7 million have less than 500 employees. That's the real entrepreneur. That's the business of Main Street. 23 million have 500 or more employees but are still considered small businesses. So we're not alone. You know where you're at. Sources of capital for small businesses include 60% of small businesses have a loan, 60% have a line of credit, about 45 to 50% have a credit card facility, about 30% get loans from the owner, us entrepreneurs, loaning back to the company. And finally, about 10% of capital is coming from leasing. So that kind of gives you a breakdown, or not 10% of, 10% of small businesses have some sort of capital lease. They, at Harvard, again, looked in this research at the reasons people are looking for capital, what they're using those proceeds for. And about 53% of businesses said it was maintaining cash flow. So they have that lumpy, cash flow matching expenditures with um, coming m- money coming in, they just need to match those and pair them up and they need to get some help during that lumpiness. Uh, about 42% of businesses said they need cash flow or capital for reserve or for cushion. 33% for inventory. 29% for fixtures and equipment. Debt replacement or repayment is 13%. So these people who want to Just pay off some form of debt with another form of debt. And finally, real estate restructuring is about 11% of businesses. Gives you a sense for what other people are doing out there. Who wants capital and who gets capital? So here's a real powerful, two numbers, very powerful piece of information. About 40% of small businesses apply for credit, and about 40% of those applying for credit get rejected or get less than desired. So 40% of small businesses are applying, and 40% of those are applying are getting rejected or less than they expected. If we do the math on that, if I did the math right, that means about 16% of small businesses are getting the capital they want. Powerful number when you think that those businesses are driving the economy and how little they're getting to support that drive. Uh, some of the problems with, uh, with capital and the barriers Our perfect storm, Uh, some of the cyclical barriers. Sales are compressed right now. We're still not getting robust sales. Everybody's collateral has a reduced value, so there's not the collateral there used to be. Lenders are more averse to risk, so that's another challenge. And finally, you've got this regulatory hangover where uh, regulatory agencies are putting pressures on banks and reducing the supply. Some longer-term barriers include bank consolidation. Uh, If you look at the numbers, it's still continuing, particularly among the community and regional banks. Uh, They are shrinking and consolidating. Um, Small businesses face a large cost in searching for capital. Uh, That's what we hope to bridge right here. And finally, the transaction costs continue to be a challenge for banks. Here's a, here's a powerful piece of information. It costs the bank just as much to process a $100,000 loan as it does a million dollar loan. So these are the things that the banks and the market and you as entrepreneurs are up against. What our show is really about if you look at it is it's about okay understanding the situation, understand the market but now deciding now that we know what the situation is We know the truth about the data and the market. What can we as entrepreneurs do to help our business, thereby helping the economy? And so we want to spend the rest of the show talking about that. And and in this show, again, we're going to spend most of our time talking about accounts receivable financing. So just so everybody knows, most accounts receivable financing are for businesses that sell to businesses. If you sell to consumers, unfortunately, accounts receivable financing is not really a good fit. So this is business-to-business sales. And what you do is you take your accounts receivable and in some way, whether it be selling those receivables or simply establishing a line of credit, you utilize those receivables to get some portion of that cash that's due you. You get it today. So when we return after this uh, segment, we're going to come back and we're going to be joined by Jordan McAvoy of Funbox. I look forward to seeing you on the other side. Thank you for your time.
2: comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit BizDocCapital.com. Again, BizDocCapital.com. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoc Now, back to Small Business Capital America.
1: Welcome back, everybody. We have Jordan McAvoy with Funbox joining us here in this segment. Uh, And I'm going to disclose to everybody up front that I'm actually a Funbox customer, and I'm also an independent sales organization that represents Funbox. But I just think it's a wonderful product. And uh, with that, I'm going to jump in here. Jordan, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and your business experience to give the audience a flavor for it?
3: Yeah, absolutely. And, And first, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to talk a little bit more about what we do. Um, So, you know, I oversee marketing, business development, and sales at Funbox. And really in the last kind of eight to ten years of my professional life, I've been working closely with small businesses, kind of focused on helping them take advantage of technology to further their own business goals. And my role at Funbox is around their financial goals and helping them uh, get through some of the trials and tribulations that come up being a small business owner, but you know it's really about how do you use technology to make people's lives easier. Um, and I approach it from kind of the perspective of I have a parent who's a small business owner. A lot of the folks at Thumbbox have friends, family uh, who are small business owners, and so you know how are we in our day to day and the work that we're doing helping people just like just like our family members. Kind of benefit from uh, what's going on with with technology.
1: Yeah, you know it's interesting uh, when I in an earlier segment when I talked about Funbox, I described you as that kind of perfect blend of efficiency and effectiveness as they come together. Uh, I see you advertised a lot. Uh, you're even a Voice America uh, advertiser as I uh, as I recently saw when I was uh, doing my show prep. So that's that's fantastic. Uh, great to have you, and, and thank you for joining us. Can you tell us just a little bit about Funbox, kind of give us the background, the genesis of the company, and where you focus in the greater marketplace? And just so you know, Jordan, we've really covered that uh, You know, funding capital to small businesses is a very fragmented market. And uh, kind of speak to what your positioning is in that marketplace and a little bit about the history of the company, if you would.
3: Yeah, so um – I'll start with kind of our position and then go into the history of the company. Really, we're focused on businesses that service other businesses, so the B2B segment of the small business market. And essentially what we do is we help small businesses overcome cash flow gaps that arise because of uh, invoicing terms. So, you know, I might do work or buy materials or supplies to do work, and I invoice and I don't get paid for 30, 60, 90, sometimes even 120 days. Um, meanwhile, I have expense associated with rent, associated with payroll, associated with those supplies and materials I need to do my work. And so we're squarely focused on how do we solve this specific problem. You know, I'm a small business. In order to successfully run my operation, I need to have some element of control over when the income is coming into my business because I know that I have these expenses going out. And that's where we focused our time. Now it happens to be that of the 29 million small businesses in the United States, a little bit more than half of them are focused uh, in this B2B market. So it's a, it's a fairly sizable number of, uh, of small businesses who face these challenges that we address. But really, the history of the company, it's, it's pretty interesting. So I mentioned earlier that, um, you know, I think, I think about technology from the perspective of Uh, Could my dad use it? The the founder of the company actually had an entrepreneur mother who ran a small staffing agency, and he saw the trials and tribulations that she went through in um, the work that she did for her clients and then the delayed payment that she incurred because of these, these invoicing terms. And he approached it from the perspective of what's the ideal solution? How do I make it as simple as possible for somebody like my mom to solve this problem? and got a bunch of really smart people together and said, this is the solution that I want, and how do we use technology to enable that solution? And that's where we that's where we landed with Funbox today. And so, you know, our simple value prop is somebody can come to the website, they give us somewhere between two and five pieces of information to get started. That's all the administrative work that we require from them. We can look into their business, and in less than three hours, we can tell them, If we can give them access to capital, and after that, with the click of a button, they can essentially say, you know what, I have this outstanding invoice of $3,000, and with one click, initiate that money being deposited in their bank account. So it really is about getting their money on their terms.
1: Okay, so the key is B2B and uh, someone who's looking for that ease of use and uh, a relatively low-cost solution – uh, when you think about all the administrative burdens that can be on capital at times. Is that correct?
3: Yeah, absolutely. Um, businesses who transact with other businesses who use invoices as a principal way of uh, of kind of collecting that payment, um, yeah, those are the businesses that, that we service. And again, it's because there's this concept that's evolved around, um, you know I do work, but I don't get paid for 30, 60, 90-plus days, and, um, you know, we're trying to solve that with, uh, with our solution.
1: Great. Great. So you, you mentioned that, you know, somebody can get approved in a, in a few hours. How long does it take then once you're approved to begin getting funding? Can you can I kind of speak to that a little bit?
3: Absolutely. So once somebody's approved, what they would get is they would get what we call a dashboard. Um, on their dashboard, we would show them all of their, um, all their outstanding invoices, or all their AR that exists in their accounting or invoicing system. Part of the onboarding process is connecting into that system. And so our, our technology actually looks at the health of the business. It looks at the health of each of those invoices and who holds those invoices. And once they're approved, a business owner can very simply go in and essentially click a button. And with that click of a button, tell us where to send the funds. And we will do it either the same day or the next business day, depending on um, depending on what time of the day it happens. But it literally is that simple. The first time you do it, you'll have to tell us some information about the bank account and where the money goes. And um, after that, unless you wanted to update that information, we would automatically distribute the funds to that that same bank account. So it's as simple as just Clicking a button to get you know to get access to that capital.
1: Great, uh, and it is that easy as a as a user of the system. I I will attest to that. Can you tell a little bit? Tell us a little bit about the minimums and maximums that you work within uh, for your particular product.
3: Yeah. So uh, the way it works is uh, once you go through our very simple um, underwriting process. We will give you what we call fund box credit. The, that number ranges from as low well as $500, to up to $25,000. And you can draw against your fund box credit um, as, as it's available. So the example would be if I got a $20,000 um, line of fund box credit, then I could advance invoices up to $20,000. The way that it works from a paying back perspective is we actually collect the payback over 12 weeks. And okay. so you can think about our product as short-term access to working capital that's tied to those invoices. So, you know, if you take that advance on day uh, day one, what we'll do is the first Wednesday after a week has gone by, we'll debit one-twelfth of the amount of the principal plus one-twelfth of our fees, and you'll pay us back over a 12-week period. And so, again, short-term access to that working capital is paid back over 12 weeks, um, and everything is automated throughout that time.
1: Okay. So your interactions for your product in in providing capital are just with the borrower. You're not needing to speak with their customers or receive payments from their customers. You just interact directly. You loan directly to the business and receive your payments directly back from the business. Is that correct?
3: That's that's 100% correct. And that's one of the, you know, one of the things that um, came about when kind of the early conversation happens around what's the ideal solution for a small business. Small businesses don't want to bring a third party into their relationships. You know, you might, be, um, you might be running a business for 10 years and you have two or three core customers. And then on top of that, you have, you know, kind of customers who come or go. But those are important relationships. And introducing a third party into that relationship and saying, hey, you know, we used to have this financial relationship between just the two of us, but now there's a third party and you're going to pay them. And if you're a little bit late, they're going to collect on you. And it just adds a level of friction um, that a lot of small business owners aren't comfortable with. And so we came up with, uh, with a way to work around that and, um, and allow the small business to maintain control both over their finances as well as control of the relationship that they have with their customer.
1: You know, as I think about it, we've described on the show before the concept of a fintech company. Do you guys consider yourselves fintech?
3: We do. I mean, we're, we're a, a financial technology company. Um, we, are, uh, we are kind of doing something in this space that is very, very innovative, one of the core pillars of that innovation is around how do we drive a really, really simplistic and great user experience, and then how do we use technology to enable that? So, you know, we think about ourselves first and foremost as um, a valuable solution to small business um, that allows them to address one of the most critical needs that they have in their business, which is um, having control over their finances. Having access to working capital, not having gaps in your cash flow, and being able to focus on other areas outside of you know when's that invoice check going to come in that was supposed to be here three days ago.
1: Now you guys are uh, 100% cloud based. In other words, there's no software to download to your computer. And if I understand correctly, you rec- you interact with accounting software. I happen to use QuickBooks. I know it's very popular, but are there other softwares that you can interact with besides QuickBooks?
3: Yeah, we, so we integrate with uh, QuickBooks, FreshBooks, Zero, Sage, uh, Wave, Harvest. We integrate with some industry-specific solutions like Clio in the legal space. Um, and then we're constantly doing doing new integrations so if one of your listeners didn't hear their solution uh mentioned I would definitely encourage them to come to us and uh at least tell us what solution they're using because that's how we prioritize the next ones that we'll we'll integrate with
1: well that's fantastic as i said jordan uh i am a user and so i can uh sort of give testimony to the ease of process and, again, that whole efficiency and effectiveness coming together uh, to make my life a lot easier. I mean, it's it's literally a process that we use on a weekly basis, and I can manage it from uh, my tablet uh, eating breakfast in the morning over a cup of coffee. It's it's just very simple to work with. Jordan, we're running out of time. We've got about 30 seconds left here. Um, I really appreciate your time on the show. Is there anything you want to add here before we wrap up? Uh, uh, any? kind of additional comment or a little plug about uh, your Funbox
0: product?
3: Yeah, you know, what I would say is for small businesses, there are lots of uh, newer, more innovative options out there, Funbox being one of them. So, you know, the fact that the small business ecosystem has been so drastically underserved, like you were mentioning with the Karen Mills study a couple minutes ago, there are solutions that are out there. You know, we can work with businesses that, have been in uh, in businesses as little as six months. Uh, we can get you varying levels of access to capital, and we can do it in a very very simple way, where you know there's not a huge administrative burden. It literally takes thirty seconds to get up and running, and uh, we you know we can help a small business solve that problem of getting access to working capital.
1: Terrific, Jordan. Thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll have to get you back on soon because I think uh, what you do is powerful. And to our listeners, we'll be back on the other side of this segment.
2: Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business.
0: BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit BizDocCapital.com. Again, BizDocCapital.com. Savvy
2: business owners, learn how auspicious timing can have a positive influence on business decisions and strategies. You can achieve your goals while creating a competitive edge in your given field. Tune in to Illuminating Feng Shui with host Kathleen Zemansky, where classical Feng Shui and Chinese metaphysics work together to help you discover your strengths and use them at the right times. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific time, 6 p.m. Eastern time, on the
0: Voice America Business Channel. You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at bizdoc Now, back to Small Business Capital America.
1: Welcome back to our third segment. Our guest for this segment is Mark Kenny. Mark and I have worked together for quite some time. Mark is extremely experienced in the industry around asset-based lending, particularly accounts receivable funding, and uh, he's going to help us a little bit today to kind of understand the the array of options that are out there within accounts receivable and asset-based lending and just kind of talk about what he sees because he does have a unique perspective with that, Mark, can you just tell us a little bit about yourself and your, your business experience? I know you've got a wealth of experience, and I'd like the guests to ha- or the uh, listeners to have some perspective on that.
4: Sure. Um, good evening, Mike. Hi, everybody. Um, I started in the factoring world uh, with, a, with a local company in Boston. It's called Boston Financial Corporation. We'd um, never know you're from I mean, Boston. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure you, I'm sure that's not true. <laughs> Um, and, uh, it was, it was a great opportunity. Um, the gentleman who owned the company, uh, took me under, you know, he mentored me for three or four years. Um, we were also a venture capital firm, um, and, uh, did other types of business loans, but mainly we specialized in factoring of accounts receivable as well as purchase order funding. Um, from there, I had, um worked with what I most enjoy, uh, working with the small to medium-sized business market. Um, These are people, these are companies that otherwise have a hard time receiving the appropriate capital that they need. Sometimes they can get a line of credit with their bank or a small loan, but when they're a growing company and they're growing too fast, um, uh, a traditional working capital facility uh, many times is not sufficient to support their growth. Um, and, um, and, and that's basically the market that I'm in now. I did spend some time with Wells Fargo's Trade Capital Group where we um, did the same type of financing, but for large household names. Uh, a lot of people are surprised, but many large and co- publicly traded companies, profitable companies, uh, will, will utilize factoring as well um, as a working capital tool as well as, um, you know, liquidating assets uh, and, uh, you, you know, to, usually to achieve a certain purpose. Uh, that That's my experience with the large, larger, large, big, large companies that, um, and that was not really my passion. Uh, and from there I went back to working with the small, medium sized business market. I like to, to help people um, that are, that are, starting out having trouble accessing capital, being able to provide them with a, a sufficient amount of funds that they need, and, and I've seen multiple businesses really be able to take off uh, through factoring and as well as purchase sort of funding. Uh, it's a great product, and it's, you know, those are the ones you're most proud of. It's, uh, they're like the, the children, you know, they... They they start off, and, and they're really small, and they're able to use the capital that you provided them and, and catapult. And uh, that gives me great meaning and purpose.
1: So you're one of those guys that help uh, small businesses uh, who generate two out of three new jobs in the United States. And I think that's very rewarding. You mentioned that. Uh, you also touched on uh, small businesses and and what they define. So our our show is really focused on those businesses with ten thousand to ten million a month in revenue, which I consider to be a small business or a business of mainstream. Right.
4: Everyone has a different definition.
1: Yeah. Before you jumped on, uh, I, I was reading uh, and discussing an article on uh, Har- from Harvard Business Review on small business capital going back to two thousand fourteen, and they said that you know forty percent of small businesses. Are looking for capital and only 40% of those are getting funded. So 16% of small businesses are getting funded the capital they need. So having people like you with the experience, it's it's really rewarding. I wonder if you can take just a few minutes, Mark, and just kind of talk about some of the lenders or the types of funding solutions that are in this kind of broad space of asset-based lending a little bit narrower space of accounts receivable lending. Maybe you can break out lines of credit and factoring. Just talk about, you know, generally what you see out there in the marketplace.
4: All right. Well, I would start off by saying right now I am representing um, Commonwealth Capital uh, based out of Minnesota, and they fill a really important void. Uh, They do the general marketplace but they're also doing a lot of construction financing and construction project funding. This is extremely good for the economy. Uh right now construction is booming again and a lot of these guys and gals are getting a lot of business opportunities, a lot of project opportunities, winning a lot of bids. Uh they run into the problem where they have to turn a lot of these down due to the fact that they are afraid they might, may not have the capital to hire enough employees or pay the employees or be able to finance the supplies and, and any other business expense that they need. So you take that over a year's time and all the lost opportunity, um, it, it, it can be a great cost to the, to the company, their employees, uh, potential employees, and the overall economy. Factoring, a factoring product or uh, an asset-based product is really good because um, when you find it with well, a company that will fund progress billing, and when I say it's a void, I'd say it's because 95% of the asset-based lending market will not fund construction. So uh, they run into the – and the reason is, is because of a type of billing called progress billing um, and it 's a pay when paid industry um, but when you have a group that is very familiar with construction, maybe the the founders of the company were were in, involved in construction or land development um, so they, they know the language they know the, the how the billing works they 're not going to have knee jerk reactions when when you know on a progress billing situation where money isn't getting paid when it's supposed to and it's a great way for for the entrepreneur for the business owner to take on as many projects as as they they can and it allows them to get capital up front for for the for the jobs um, when when the factor funds on progress billing which which we do and they no longer have to worry about if they're going to be able to make payroll, or if they're going to be able to complete the job, um, and it, it's a great uh, it, it's a great thing for for that industry. And it can really take them to, you know, quadruple their business. I've seen it uh, many times. Um, that's one aspect that I wanted to get into because I think construction is overlooked many times. Yeah, it is difficult to fund. Car- yeah. yeah, and it's. Overlooked in these type of conversations, and they need to know. A lot of them don't know that it's available, and you know it is. Um, not you know is you got to you want to find the right company. Um, you also want to remember that asset-based lending really is a relationship type of financing. Um, you know you don't want to. You want to obviously get the best deal you can. But you also want to be careful and, and really look into and do your own research on the companies that you're working with. Are they going to be there when you're in the trenches? Are they going to be there when um, things go wrong, which, which happens in life? And you want to have that relationship and know that you have a good, solid finance company that has your back.
1: Yeah. Now, now, just for the listeners to make sure everybody's on the same page, factoring is, is really, at the end of the day, as simple as the lender buys the borrower's current receivables, gives them money today for those receivables, collects the money later from the customer or the client, and then pays the additional difference to the borrower. One of the things that I think is uh, always a, a bit of tug and war Uh, with borrower, lender, and even the borrower's client is this whole concept of notification and how that's handled. Can you speak to that a little bit, Mark, some of the challenges, pluses, minuses?
4: Yes, I can, actually, and that's a great question, and that's true. There are many horror stories out there about the, you know, about a a company, an asset-based lender or a factoring company, that has um, not helped the relationship they have with their clients, but has you know that can can do damage to that relationship. So it's and that's why I bring up that whatever industry you're in, you know it's a relationship um, type of funding. You want to know the people that you're working with. You want to know who the you know who they are and what they do, and you want to do your own due diligence before getting involved. And that's one of the the major and major parts of that is, you know, finding out, asking questions about their notification process. Um, with us, I mean, with my experience, um, we, we are very, very much in the background as, is, as we can. And that's why it doesn't always seem, even though on paper, yes, it's a purchase and sale of receivables, but it's generally used as a working capital credit line um the the receivables are sent in you know usually a certain amount you know it could be a hundred it could be five million i mean a hundred thousand to to five million dollars in a r and they get you know eighty to ninety percent access to that immediately and they that that goes on month after month um and the product grows with the company's sales, so you 're only really limited by the amount of of sales that uh, or business that you can bring in. Of course, you'll get to a point where it might go above and beyond that, and you know at that point you might be ready for a traditional line of credit that you can just use as needed, um, or you might go with one of the bigger players, CIT, Wells Fargo, et cetera.
3: Mm-hmm.
4: Um, but for the market that we're talking about, generally it's, it's a product that grows with, with, their, with their volume. Um, And you want to get back to the original question is you want a company that's going to stay uh, in the background to do um, or be involved as much as you want them. There are some companies that want you to be their AR department. They want you to handle the management, the Mm collection, everything else. There's also uh, companies that want to continue doing that on their own. And and generally, that's what we're doing. I mean, we provide, um, you know, we have to send a, a notification letter. It usually goes to the, account, the accounts payable department. So it's not going up the chain. It's not um, usually the people that they're dealing with. It's not part of the relationship. And it's just, you know, they change. When you factor receivables, you do have to, you know, you have to change the remit to address to right. a lockbox or to the bank. So, and that's generally can be very painless if you have the right company. Um, it's generally a simple, you know, putting that in with the uh payables clerk and you know and and making sure that you, when you get into a deal with with a finance company that they're going to allow you to do your own collections. Um Unless they notify you because of, there's some type of default situation, mm-hmm. they're always going to maintain the right to um, make collection efforts. But generally, if you're if you're a good company with good relationships, and um, you know an an invoice is supposed to be paid in 45 days, and it's 55 days later, you know it's. It's like I said, it's a relationship. You're on the phone with your account executive. That's the person that's usually assigned to your account that's in the office. That's the one doing wire transfers and dealing with the everyday questions.
1: That's so, um, that's so unique to hear, Mark. I, I, that's fantastic. Yeah. We're, unfortunately, we're, we're out of time here. We're just at the last moments of this segment. Uh, I'd like to invite you back. I think uh, with your insight, uh, you can be very powerful and helpful to our clients and, and listeners. Anyone who wants to get a hold of Mark can get a hold of me at BizDoc here. It's 844-BizDoc1. That's toll-free. And I'll connect you up with Mark. And, Mark, thank you so much for your time. And uh, we really appreciate it. With that, we'll see everyone uh, on the other side of the segment. Thank you.
2: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: BizDoc Capital Group was founded in 2007 and is committed to the success of small and mid-cap enterprises. BizDoc provides innovative, fast, affordable business financing solutions and saving solutions to small and mid-cap businesses. We tailor solutions to meet your business needs. Our solutions include term loans, lines of credit, equipment financing, commercial real estate financing, tax savings programs, and business expense savings programs. For more information, visit BizDocCapital.com, again BizDocCapital.com.
2: Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies.
0: You are tuned in to Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher. If you have a question or comment about the program, please send an email to mschumacher at biz.capital.com. That's mschumacher at b-i-z-d-o-c-capital.com. Now, back to Small Business Capital America.
1: Welcome back to our final segment of this week's episode. I want to talk uh, a couple of things we want to touch on here in this last segment as much as we can get in. I want to speak uh, first about underwriting and how to survive that process. I want to talk about some of the BizDoc resources. We might touch on some key terms. And then I want to let you know about next week's episode and what we can expect there. So when it comes to underwriting, it can be a very intimidating process. I have a lending partner who says that underwriting is – is just so critical that they express to all of their clients coming in, everybody we deal with, that accurate and thorough financial statements could be the difference between a 6% APR loan and 130% APR financing. Think about how powerful that is. Accurate and thorough financials could be the difference between 6% and 130% cost of capital. And really underwriting, as I talked a little bit earlier about truth, is about getting reliable and accurate information. So reliable, they want it to be able to be tested, and it's the same today as it was tomorrow. And they want it to be accurate and really tell a true truth picture of the organization. In order to do that, some of the information that they're going to look at is, is broken up into two segments. We want to look at the, when we underwrite, and I've been in underwriting positions before, we want to look at the creditworthiness of both the business and of the business owners. A general rule here, and I, I know that this seems a little counterintuitive sometimes to entrepreneurs, but a general rule would be the more information you can provide to the lender for the underwriting process, the better off your experience will be. Here's the reality. In today's environment of technology and data and information at the fingertips, there's probably very little, if anything, that your lender cares about that they can't find out. So. You're better off providing the information on the front end. It's less frustrating for you, a better experience for you, if you provide as much information as possible to tell the pitcher and specifically the information that the underwriter would ask for. So when it comes to looking at the business credit or the health of the business, you're going to look at business tax returns, business bank statements, and recent business financial statements. That would be P&L. And balance sheet to start with, maybe accounts receivable aging, maybe accounts payable aging. It's interesting, and we talk about sort of that getting to the truth within underwriting. People always ask me, well, why do they want to look at the bank statements and why do they need to see all pages of the bank statements, the underwriting team? Because really, so much of what we do in lending today is remote. We don't necessarily, the underwriter might never meet other than a brief phone call the person that they're about to okay or approve a loan to. And so we have to have tools and technology that allows us to generate that accurate picture and be able to get you to a loan as quickly as possible. So bank statements validate the revenue of an organization and also tell us a little bit about the expenditures of the organization and tell us a little bit about the balance sheet of the organization. For instance, if a company came out and said, hey, we've got a uh, million dollars a year in revenue, and we go through 6 months' bank statements and we come up with $50,000 with the deposits, obviously there's a challenge that needs to be validated. So that's all a par- part of that reliable and accurate information. From a personal credit standpoint, we're going to be looking at personal tax returns on occasion. We're going to be looking at personal credit history. We're going to be looking at outside net worth. Uh, likely, there will be a search of the owner, just to make sure there aren't any pending lawsuits. Uh, you know, um, I've had a couple of loans, unfortunately, rejected over the last couple of months with people who have uh, felony violations, and and so you know they do take a thorough picture. But it's not like this underwriting takes once months these days. This is a couple hours, couple of day process to go through. But again. By having the proper bookkeeping, in other words, you yourself or your bookkeeper or your outside service, to have accurate, timely information and have those at your fingertips is very, very important. A couple other things that we're going to be looking for when we have documentation to be prepared for a loan, is we're going to want to know about your insurance. We're going to make sure that we're protected against risk as lenders. We're going to want to know about licensing. Do you have the proper licenses and permits so that there aren't any legal challenges down the road. We don't want your business to be in jeopardy in any way, shape, or form if we're going to loan to you. The, the other thing that is, is really important when you're speaking with lenders or you're preparing to talk to an underwriter is you really want to make, fo- uh, make darn sure that you know what you're going to use that loan for or those loan proceeds for, the use of funds. You need to know it backwards and forwards, and you need to be convincing Some of the things that they're watching for are uh, they want to know if uh, a debt hasn't been disclosed or a lien, if there's a tax obligation that hasn't been disclosed, incomplete information. They're going to be looking for, you know, a combining of personal and business finances makes them a little nervous. Uh, If you don't have the necessary professional licenses, that makes them nervous. If you're not insured, these are all things that can make a lender nervous. So underwriting is not a horrible experience. It's just a matter of being prepared and expressing the truth, both reliable and accurate information that portrays the financial picture of your company. That's underwriting. We're gonna have some underwriters on in future shows, and they're gonna to talk to you a little more about what they look for from their personal perspective. But I think you know my 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 gift or my thing that I wanna to express to you is don't be uncomfortable with underwriting, just be prepared. I wanted to spend a few minutes of our last minute here on the show, a minute or two on the show, talking about our organization, BizDoc, and some of the resources that we can provide to you to help you either rent or print capital. And again, we do do consulting, uh, general consulting, turnaround consulting. We do executive leasing, CEO, CFO. We have savings programs that'll help you manage your expenses and reduce them. Uh, We also have a full gamut of capital products every kind of loan you imagine we would represent. Uh, We have credit repair, so if uh, your credit is challenged, we can help repair your credit, and that would then reduce your future costs of capital. Uh, We have rolling out in June, I talked about last week, the BizDoc Academy. It's a a complete online virtual school uh, where we talk about all different kinds of subjects that are of help to uh, to uh, entrepreneurs. And, and again, those, uh, those classes are almost all free. And then finally, we do peer groups where we get groups of CEOs together, entrepreneurs, business owners together, and we become each other's board of directors, constantly talking about you know how to help improve and hold each other accountable for the future. So that's a wonderful way to print more capital for yourself. Next week, we're talking about revenue advances, uh, basically the purchase of your future receipts, Give you capital today on the expectation that you're going to have future revenue to pay that back. If you have any input for me at all or would like to uh, know about some of our services a little more, please call us toll free at 844 BizDoc1. Other than that, I look forward to seeing you next week on the show and visiting then. Thank you so much for your time.
0: Thank you for listening. Be sure to tune into Small Business Capital America with host Michael Schumacher every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Best wishes, and we'll talk again next week.